Hello and welcome to another edition of Bring on the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. JT Van Gilder is here with us. JT, how are we feeling? Two-game win streak. Uh, feeling a little better after two wins and a pretty decently convincing win over TCU. Uh, it's nice to see what this team looks like when everybody's healthy. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens Wednesday, whether Baylor comes out you know, angry and re-energized or whether they're still beaten down from that KU blowout. I'm not sure which yeah. way Zexon's going to go. But... But then after that, a big game on Saturday, I guess they're playing at Iowa State. First time seeing Iowa State this year, <laughs> pretty late in the season. We brought on managing editor of Wide Right Night Light, Levi Stevenson. Levi, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I always appreciate having on. I don't I, Maybe it's just me, but I feel like K-State and Iowa State always play really early. Or really late. Yeah, they get them all. They get both games out of the week, out of the way, like either, like the first couple weeks of the season, or they don't play until like middle of February. Yeah, yeah. For no, I don't know why, but <laughs> it feels like we've had like Iowa State for senior night several times in the last you know ten, fifteen years. Like like it's been a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it's just me, but it feels like it's been a lot. Yeah, yeah. And then last year, I mean, it was case they actually started one no last season, which is hard to believe looking back. But they got to play out State first. So, but yeah, I think I don't know about you guys. I see a lot in common between these two teams. Um, so let's kind of start talking about some of that stuff. First of all, I mean, the biggest thing. Congrats to both teams for for really definitely surpassing expectations so far. I think Iowa State maybe more so because of the successful non-conference they had but i mean i know k-state fans weren't necessarily well i don't know i guess some of us were cautiously optimistic that maybe this team could compete for a tournament bid which they aren't necessarily doing right now but i mean what were the expectations for iowa state after the disappointing season last year and we're just bringing in you know a whole new roster to well to have expect like to to talk about what the expectations are you could probably you have to yeah, to have expectations to begin with. And I guess the expectation was look competitive and maybe win a few more games. Like, I mean, it was, they went two and 22 last season yeah. and didn't win a game in conference looked horrible. Pretty much every, every road game got totally blown out and then got blown out pretty regularly at home too. Cause that team, you could easily tell by early February, that team had pretty much mailed it in. They were done. They were done with that season. And I think we all were too, to the point where like it, I mean, it was for fans anyways, it was long past disappointment and anger. It was, I mean, it was total apathy about halfway through that season. Nobody cared. Like, I mean, I, there was plenty of times where, you know, one of my writers would say, Hey, I've got a great game preview, preview ready to look at and publish. Or I'm like, Oh shit, there's a game today. Like I, like we just, a bunch of us checked out, didn't care to watch, didn't care to like do anything we did, but you know, most of us were just kind of whatever about it. And we had kind of given up hope at that point of any improvement or, you know, trying to salvage the season. I mean, it was gone. It didn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. And Steve Froman was fired, hired TJ Otzelberger. And I know initially anyways, there was some that were like, oh, this is the obvious choice, which it probably was. Reception was, I would describe it as a little bit better than lukewarm. Was it like it was like it's fine, but it wasn't like a one that was like really shaking the boat or anything or rocking the boat. But you know, to start that season though, they started they went through non-conference undefeated and, and not just un- undefeated, but they blew some blew some good teams out. You know, Memphis, Xavier, Iowa blew them all out of the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, like a couple of those teams, you know, Memphis and Iowa specifically are not as good as we thought they were. 
Um, right. But, you know, still still pretty impressive to blow some of those teams out of the water and do it the way they did. Where And, you know, I, suddenly Iowa State's a good defensive team, which we haven't been able to say in a long time. And it's not to say that there were like, you know, we, there was not, you know, for that stretch, they weren't bad teams. They just were really offense heavy teams. That, right. You know, right. And, were, and good is really an understatement. We, we can talk more about that later. But, you know, they're number yeah, six. Good is, good is, right now. Yeah, good defensively is, is very much an understatement. You know, and and now this year they they struggle a little bit more offensively, which is another unusual part of it. But you know they've wildly exceeded expectations. They're still sitting second in the country right now in Q in quad one wins, as far as the net rankings and all that goes. So they're in a great spot, even though they've struggled a little bit in conference. They're still in a really great spot to make the tournament, which is way way ahead of schedule as far as what we thought expectation you know as far as what we thought this team was going to be able to accomplish with a new coach almost an entirely new roster way way beyond expectations so far and it's been it's been fantastic we're still over here anyways still treating it like year zero we're not advancing the the track of expectations and the progression of expectations we're not advancing that just because they're working ahead still treated as year zero i mean they're still building something totally from scratch and trying to mm-hmm. figure it out so that's it's good we're They've wildly exceeded expectations, but we're still trying to do our best to manage them and say, okay, they've been way better than we thought, but we just got to see what's happening here because there's still stuff that needs to get fixed and, and things like that. And in as good as they are defensively and all this, right? Like I said, we'll get into that too, but they've got some significant areas of improvement going forward. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And a lot to get into. I, I also wanted to talk about, so, you know, we've, we've, He's heaped a lot of praise on Mark Smith. He's a guard leading the conference in rebounds. The guy who's actually in second in the Big 12 right now is another guard, Isaiah Brockington. He, he does a lot of stuff for Iowa State, but you know one of the things is that he's, you know, obviously leading the team rebounds 7.8 per game. But we talked about in the last podcast for Kansas he State. Actually that's, led the, he actually led the conference for up until very, very recently. He was leader okay. in rebounding in the conference for a long, long time. Yeah. And now I think maybe just recently he's given that. He's fallen back a second. but Okay. But for Kansas State, it's kind of a, you know, it, it's good for Mark Smith, but it's not great for the team because it means the big guys are just not really pulling down their fair share. Sure. And is that kind of a similar story for Iowa State? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I mean, you've got yeah. a couple a couple guys on this team that are really good rebounders. Isaiah Brockington, obviously, is a very good rebounder. But for his position, Tyrese Hunter is a good rebounder. Gabe Kelcher has not been too bad. Uh, I'm just like looking looking at my like rebounding percentages. Yeah, I mean for uh, George Condit, he's he's big. He's a good rebounder. Tristan Anaruna, the tr- Kansas transfer, has been a good rebounder when he's played. Jazz Coons has been a good rebounder. I mean, this team has they, the team plays hard. They crash the glass hard. It just Isaiah Brockington crashes the glass a little bit harder than everybody else, and he's he's really good. Yeah. And that's just yeah. From our my perspective, anyways, this isn't the bigs not doing their job. It's just Isaiah Brockington's yeah. really good at rebounding. Yeah, and I will say, JT, you know, it was encouraging to see the the rebounding effort against TCU. That was a, a big improvement. So hopefully, they can carry that going forward. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, TCU's obviously the best rebounding team in the conference by a mile, and K State went toe to toe with them, and that was that was impressive, really. And a lot of that's just want to. We've talked about that in the past. Like, it looked like these guys just didn't want to rebound, like Mark Smith did, but not everybody else and this you know on against CCU it looked like everybody else wanted to rebound and it that was it was nice to see like question is can they keep it up 
Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting. And then another, you know, big similarity, you know, between these teams is they really did well in the transfer portal. We talked about it for Kansas State. Marquis Noel, Mark Smith, and Ish Masood. Um, Iowa State, not exactly new for them to be going to the transfer portal. They've had a lot of success there over the years. Kind of started the transfer portal in basketball. Actually, and really in all sports. Iowa State was the one that kind of pioneered this whole era of the transfer portal. Right, right. And obviously, you know, they've done it this year. But one of the things that's kind of interesting, a difference between these two teams, I guess, is, and JT, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like, you know, maybe Deshaun Gordon is, is probably the only guy that I can really say I was sad to see him leave. You know, maybe a, a couple of guys, you thought if they would have stayed healthy, they, they might have been missed. But um, Yeah, I don't know about Dejuan. Yeah. Like, he was a high-energy guy, but yeah, yeah, even he, he, just, he was <laughs> lacking something. And, I mean, I, I'd miss his rebounding. Like, he was pretty good at getting through there and mixing things up and, and going after things. But uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's just missing something. And uh, the only one that... I really wish it stuck around and try to get healthy was Montavious Murphy. Right. But uh, yeah, it's, it is what it is. It's college basketball in 2021, 22. So there's going to be a lot of transfers every year now and you're just going to get, yeah. you're going to have to get yeah. used to it. But K-State was still able to, to keep some core guys. Whereas Iowa state, I mean, basically lost all of their, their contributors more or less. And, and they went to, I mean, you look at where they are now, where Sierra Bolton is a starter at Gonzaga. Jalen Coleman-Lands just got into the starting lineup at Kansas with Agbaji out. Um, you know, I think Solomon Young gave up his uh, s- potential sixth year to go play pro in, in Europe. I had uh, Javon Johnson went to DePaul, Tyler Harris went to Memphis. But, you know, Levi, even though those are talented guys, given how last season went, you know, how many of those guys were you actually sad to see leave the program? Uh, I wouldn't know if I would say at the time I was particularly sad to see them leave. I'm thinking, like... I'm looking at a guy like Rashir Bolden could probably be pretty good on this team. Uh, like I think this team that we have right now with Rashir Bolton could be a lot of fun. It could be could be uh, much more dynamic offensively. Other than that, though, the rest of the guys. I mean, I mean, yeah, Jalen Coleman lands as a starter at Kansas and all this, but I don't know. And I wasn't a particularly a fan of his game. I think he'd be a weird fit, and he wouldn't be. I don't. I don't think he would be a good fit mm-hmm. in the in what they're trying to do now, where they're really defending the hell out of the ball and trying to get to the rim and stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't I don't see Jalen Coleman lands being a good fit, but Rashir Bolton, I do think would have been a good fit with this style. And that's probably the one if you're looking at and saying, hey, you know, it'd be nice to have him, but that's about it. The rest of them, yeah. uh, Javen Johnson, I whatever. Solomon Young played for a long time at Iowa State, you know, happy with it for, you know, appreciate everything he contributed to the program, but it was probably time for him to move on. Tyler Harris was fine i mean he wasn't a not a guy that i'm super worried about he's and he honestly probably too small to play in the big 12 like not because he's short but it's because he plays he plays small and he like he's not a guard that can battle up top or anything like that he's just he's just really small and he plays yeah. small and the rest of the i mean everybody else was just kind of whatever so i mean it's kind of one of those things had had you had a bunch of guys come back it had been kind of it'd been like that old saying is like good news we have everybody back bad news mm-hmm. we have everybody back it's kind of right. It, it had been kind of like that. So I mean, as far as I'm concerned, totally overhauling the roster to get to where it is now is fine by me. Well, and you know, like for a new coach, it's you know, with the transfer portal, we're essentially like like NBA free agency at this point, and you know, you might as well try to overhaul the roster. Like if if 
if the guys yeah, aren't that's the you thing know, coming like, from a losing team, you might as well yeah, you know, roll the dice and see what happens. It's kind of funny though because we've had uh, we I would say just for whatever reason there is a pipeline from Penn State to Iowa State for some reason because Chris Babb was a Penn State transfer and then you had Rashir Bolden was a Penn State transfer and now Isaiah Brockington is a Penn State transfer <laughs> for whatever reason we keep getting there getting the guys that are too good for Penn State, um, <laughs> but no I, I it's it's one of those things too where like the culture the program culture under Steve Prohm was so broken that it like there was nothing. There was nothing ever good that was going to come out of that. It was, I mean, it was over. It was that whole thing was over after 29, you know, after the 2019, or sorry, after the 2020 season, even though they weren't like that bad in 2020, they were, they were, well, they weren't good, but, but they weren't 20, 21 bad, but it should have been probably done after the 2020 season or 2019, 2020, I should say, after Tyrese Halliburton left. Um, we, we knew it was going to go downhill after that, but you know, when TJ Otzelberger came in, there needed to be new fresh faces. You need, you know, if there's guys that were going to stick around and buy into what TJ Otzelberger was doing, glad to have them. Trey Jackson, George Condit, you know, and uh, Jaden Walker, those kind of guys. If they, those guys want to stick around, they want to buy in and do what TJ Otzelberger wants to do, it, happy to have them. If they're not going to, mm-hmm. you know, good luck at your next place. Yeah. And that's what you, that's what you need. That's what I mean. That's what Matt Campbell did with the with the football program. Is he went and got his guys that can establish the culture, the program culture that he wants, and it's worked out. And I think TJ's trying to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's always kind of a fine line that the coaches walk when they come in and they're trying because you can't necessarily push a guy out, but you can kind of give him a little nudge, right? Yeah, I mean, so. you can. But I mean, well, I mean, you can tell him straight out though. You can say. If you yeah. do not buy into this, you will not play. And anymore, when the transfer portal exists, if you say you're not going to play, they're gone. I mean, they're gone before you finish the sentence. So, <laughs> I mean, while you can't force them out, you can tell them, you can give them an, an ultimatum, and then they will take the way, they will take the road to leave. So it's yeah. kind of, I mean, that's just kind of what it is. I mean, but that's not like, that's not a new thing. I mean, that's not, that's not new right, to the transfer right. portal. That's not new to anything. I mean, coaches have been running off you know, bad apples for a long time. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, but Iowa State got a pretty nice group to have around Tyrese Hunter. We'll definitely talk about later the, the freshman. But, you know, with the reputation that Iowa State has built up as a transfer, a good place for transfers and, and what they've done, you know, how much credit do you give Otzelberger for, you know, not only finding these pieces, but making them fit together so well, especially on the defensive side? Uh, I mean, he, I mean, he built the roster and he's done a great job of coaching that defense. I know one of the big factors for him and help getting this thing turned around was bringing in, um, Kyle green. He was an assistant at UNI under Ben Jacobson for a long time and Greg McDermott for a long time. And UNI has always been a very good defensive team. And that was, that was a critical hire for TJ, I think was bringing in Kyle green to help with help with that defense. I mean, certainly TJ's he's established the. He set the tone as far as intensity goes and, and what they're going to play like and what their vision is going forward. And so I, mean, I think he, I mean, part of being a coach is putting the right people around you and it's building the roster and doing all that. So it, you know, it's more than just the X's and O's on the court. You know, and when we had Fred Hoiberg, Fred was an expert at X's and O's on the court and he had some good assistants and had some not great assistants. And, you know, he did, you know, a decent job building the roster and stuff like that. But, you know, he, he did a good job through the transport, did a good job through recruiting but you know, everyone has their weaknesses, but you know, being a coach is more than just the X's and O's on the court. Mm -hmm. And for that, I think TJ deserves an an enormous amount of credit to me. 
if Iowa State makes the tournament, he should be a shoe in, an absolute lock for Big Twelve Coach of the Year. I mean, shouldn't there? I'm not. There may not even be a competition at this point. If he doesn't win Big Twelve Coach of the Year, I mean, it's a highway robbery. And he's probably he probably should be uh, if what if there's I don't know if there's a finalist for it or not, but for National Coach of the Year, he should be up there for what he's done to to overhaul and and to re- totally revive this program. Yeah, it's I mean, nothing short of phenomenal. I'm not sure even who would be second. Maybe maybe you look at Mark Adams or what he's done this. I guess, year, but, but like I mean, Texas Tech like was good last second. year, so I yeah. mean, Texas Tech was good before. So it's not. Yeah, I mean, you could say, well, good job hanging on to it, but you know, I mean, Texas Tech was good before. I mean, not. I'd give a not, good second place nod to Jamie Dixon because yeah, that's probably nobody expected TCU yeah. to be any good, and they're like, oh hey, TCU is actually pretty decent this year. Yeah, that, and that's probably a fair. That's probably a fair yeah. one, but like TCU wasn't. They weren't two and twenty-two last year. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's like, it, yeah. I mean, there's there's some decent you know options in there. You know, Mark, but you know, like as for like especially with like Mark Adams, like you don't get to be coach of the year because you didn't screw something up. That's not <laughs> like that's that's that would be the bare minimum. You're that's you doing your job is not making it yeah. worse. So you know, yeah. And to me, I, I'm not sure who it would be besides TJ. And and as far as national coach of the year, I mean, maybe there's somebody out there. I don't know who it would be, but maybe there's somebody I out mean... there. But I, I mean, Bruce I think, Pearl is probably going to get some. Uh, Bruce Pearl is probably going to get it because his because his, because <laughs> Auburn has been up at the top yeah. of the poll all year. But yeah. I mean, to me, as far as like as far as a coaching job on taking a team and making it better than the sum of its parts, which I think is kind of sure. what a coach's job is. I don't know if there's anybody that's done a better job than TJ. Yeah, yeah. And then you know something that people have talked about that's been an important part of that too is that the leadership of Isaiah Brockington. You know, how critical do you think that's been for this oh, team? I mean, he's, he's, he's phenomenal. I mean, he does everything you need him to do on the court, for one. I mean, as far as a player, he's there isn't a hole in his game as far as, mm-hmm. as, far as on the court. And then you can see him when he's on the floor. His teammates trust him. He loves being here. Um, I think he's, he's, he's exactly the guy you want. He's a, he's a steadying force. He's not as vocal as a guy like Naz Long was or, or Ter- Terry's Halbert and George Niang, those guys. He wasn't, he's not the, quite the vocal guy like those guys were. And Monte Morris, I should say. But he's his own kind of stoic leader, um, and I think that's I think that's valuable too. He's been key to getting this thing this thing going. Yeah, and then uh, you know your other transfer guard Gabe Kausher. Yep. You know what, what has he been able to to do for you guys? So Gabe, right now Gabe is a defensive specialist for Iowa State. He struggled shooting the ball this year. He's at twenty four point two percent from threes. He's had games yeah. like early in the it's season. A high he volume. It. He shoots a lot for a he guy. Does. He, he actually does 24. shoot a lot for a guy that's shooting at, at such a low percentage. He's I mean, he's like, he's way ahead and like as far as like total temps on the team, like he's like, he's way ahead. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. definitely he's leading the team by a, a a significant margin. But he's you know just not a super high percentage guy. He's confident or whatever. And like if you watch him warm up, he's got the stroke. He's just I don't know it's his when he gets in the game, he gets rushed. But right now he's kind of a defensive specialist. Right now, ideally, you know, you hope at some point the, the the speed of the game clicks and his jump shot clicks. Because when like when he's when he's locked in and when he's playing and he's not playing trying trying to play too fast, he's a good player. He can shoot. He's just I don't know something's just not quite right as far as him from a shooting perspective. But right now, a good defensive guy gets you know forces some turnovers, eats up a lot of minutes, doesn't really make any mis- big mistakes on defense or anything like that. Just. Uh, yeah, kind of a defensive specialist, kind of like uh, like a Tony Allen was in the NBA for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's a defensive specialist, and if he gives you anything off, if he gives you any scoring punch, awesome, cherry on top. Yeah, yeah. 
And then you've got a, a KU transfer. We've been starting a lot, Tristan and yeah, Aruna. Tristan Aruna, yeah. So, you know, has he found a, a good spot on this team? Is he, he healed for the yeah, offense? Tristan and Aruna, is, he's been kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's shooting a good percent from the floor. He's fairly efficient when he's trying, when he's, you know, making a scoring effort. One of his things that, that's been kind of odd is they, it, in the first half, they make a good, they make a, a really nice effort to, you know, to get him involved, to get him scoring, get his confidence up and all that. But I don't know, for whatever reason, the second half, his minutes go down. I don't know if it's a conditioning thing or what it is, but for whatever reason, he most of his impact happens in the first half. But when he's, when he's given time, when he's given playing time, he's been good. It seems like he'll be, he'll, you'll see a, to me, it seems like a, the kind of guy that you'll see a jump after, after this year. You're like going in his, in his second year in the system is when you'll see a jump because he's, he's athletic. He's, he's got good size. He's, he's, he's pretty high skill guy. Um, I think he he's one that can take a jump going into the second year in the system. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's, those are the kind of the key transfers. Let's talk about some of the other guys. First, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and we're back. So, I mean, as far as, uh, you know, guys that Iowa State has gotten out of high school, you got to start with Tyrese Hunter is the top 40, I think, recruiting yep. most race mm-hmm. systems. So, you know, is he living up to those expectations? And I know it's early, but, you know, at this point in his career, how does he compare to some of the other great Iowa State point guards like uh, yeah. Halliburton, it's, Monte it's, Morris? It's unfortunate that the legacy that he has to follow because Iowa State, yeah. like, hasn't had a bad point guard in a long, long time. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you can go back into like the be like McDermott area where you had Deontay Garrett and then you had like Corey Lucius and then you go into having DeAndre Kane and Monte Morris and Tyrese Halliburton. Like you had all these really good point guards right in a row. So it's unfortunate that he had to step in those shoes. But I think he's done I think you can it's clear to see when you watch him that he's he's gonna fill out, he's gonna be a really nice player. Right now, he's a good slasher and he's he's actually very good defensively. He's yeah, he, he turns he forces quite a few turnovers. He's a good as far as like his assist rate goes. He's he's good. His big thing right now, well, one he's got two two main flaws. Kind of the one of the biggest ones right now, as it well, I should say the second biggest one right now is his shooting from outside. He's not he's not a consistent shooter from outside. He he can knock them down. Like you're not you're not mad at him for taking threes, but you don't like you're not centering a game plan around him shooting. I mean, he's like in the twenties right now in the percentage. He's got a stroke that can get up into the thirties easily, you know, mid high thirties that I think can be absolutely his uh sweet spot, you know, as he gets older, but his other, but his big, his big problem right now is he turns the ball over too much, uh, which is kind of an odd thing, you know, considering uh, the last however many Iowa state point guards have been, you know, famously very, very efficient. They don't turn the ball over. You know, Tyrese Halbert and Monte Morris, all those guys, you know, were famous for not for not turning the ball over. But you know, Ty- Tyrese at times he gets uh, gets playing too fast and he tries to do a little bit too much, and and that he in he'll throw a kind of a lazy pass here and there, or he'll lose he'll get playing too fast and he'll lose his dribble or something like that. So he has a bad habit of that, and it's kind of it's it, it you can tell he's a young, he's you can tell he's a freshman getting more minutes than maybe he was. I don't, I'm not. I shouldn't say more than he was ready for, but he's he's kind of going through the growing pains early on that you see a lot of freshmen go through. And you know, and, and I would say it's been fortunate to have guys like Tyrese Halliburton and Monte Morris that, well, especially especially Monte Morris didn't really have to deal with those. I mean, his freshman year, he he played more as this year went on, but he got to play behind DeAndre Kane. When you can play behind a guy like that and you can learn from a guy like that, that's a huge advantage. And Tyrese Halliburton is just a supernatural IQ guy. I mean, those guys like him come along once in a lifetime. 
um, as far as just his intelligence for the game and all that. I mean, he was he was destined to be good. You know, looking back on it, he was gonna be good right away. He just was. I mean, he was gonna be a stud right off the bat. And it, and he he was he was really really good for two years, and now he's been now he's been really good in the NBA. Right. And it looks like he's you know one of the kind of one of the big point guards of the future. Uh, like him and Lamelo Ball, where, you know, have a chance to be kind of the two mainstays at point guard for the next 10 years in the nba yeah and it seemed like he was underestimated even going to the nba for some reason like, yeah i mean he was because he was what the 12th pick overall and that felt low honestly mm-hmm. like it felt mm-hmm. like he probably should have gone high and and he's proving why i mean he's been he's been exceptionally good uh, in the nba which was not a surprise to anybody that watched him in college but yeah. you know it had getting those two guys right in a row monte morris and tyrese halliburton is total stroke of luck <laughs> it's most 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 programs don't find one of those guys and i would had i would say it had two or you you could argue you can go if you go back to Corey lucius and deontay garrett and stuff like that going back i mean you think four or five of them right in a row they hit point guards so so frequently and i think tyrese i think tyrese hunter is another one is another hit he's just a different kind of guy he's not necessarily a natural pure passer like the like Tyrese and like Monte were he's more he's he's closer to a combo guard so he's he's a good scorer he's a good slasher he plays really physical at the rim just needs to learn to slow down not get too not get uh going too fast and if he, if he can start cutting down turnovers he's got a chance to be really really good he's probably the most athletically he's probably the most naturally gifted point guard that Iowa State's had in a long time yeah so JT I don't know about you but I mean this sounds like a matchup where, where Nigel Pack might be able to take advantage of his ex- experience and kind of you know expose some of those freshman things and it's disappointing we didn't get to see him play against Mike Miles over the weekend but Nigel obviously really finding his groove right now it seems like yeah he he's played so well the last four games especially on the offensive end but really you know when I when I think about a young point guard on the opposition I, I'm thinking about Marquise Noel and mm-hmm. his ability to create havoc on defense. Uh, uh, he leads the the conference in steals per game. Like that's, I mean, a freshman guard that has a uh, tendency to to turn the ball over or, or you know have some lazy passes. That seems like it's going to be a field day for Marquise Noel. But yeah, the the two of them with between between their experience, you know, I I worry a little less after these these last couple games uh, than I have. I would have been say if this was coming off right after you know like the loss to to Ole Miss um, in terms of of what the the K State backcourt duo of Pack and, and Noel will be able to do against against Iowa State. So it, it it should be a good matchup though. I'm excited to see see how that turns out. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And you know, looking at Iowa State's lineup and especially like the starters, a couple of things stand out. And first of all is, you know, we're so used to seeing Iowa State teams that can just kill you from three-point range and do kill K-State. And, you know, they've got some, some guys on the bench that can shoot it. But really, in terms of the starting lineup, Brockington's the only guy that, that that's a serious threat out there most of the time. You know, how does that impact the offense? Makes it very difficult to score from outside because <laughs> yeah. they're – I mean, Caleb Grill can shoot it. Um, he, he doesn't right. – Tip, but yeah, he usually starts. Uh, Caleb Grill starts. He can shoot it. Okay. Uh, kid from Wichita, which yeah. is funny because he yeah. came to Iowa State, transferred to UNLV to go to TJ Otzelberger, and then transferred back as soon as TJ came back to Iowa State. But yeah, 
Uh, yeah, in Caleb fact, Grills according to the conference, Grill leads Iowa State in three-point field goals per game. So, mm-hmm. Wait, yeah, uh, he's, he's, your, a, your, he's stats, your stats say Grill has not started a game this year. Well, okay, well he maybe hasn't started, but he he eats up a lot of a lot of minutes. Yeah, he gets twenty three minutes a game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. he gets a lot of minutes, sure. and and that's kind of I, we're kind of to the point now in the game of basketball where who starts doesn't really matter that much. Sure. It's more just sure. who plays the minutes, and maybe that's probably always been true. We just never we just I think we're just starting to recognize that now is that you know who start it doesn't matter if you start a game and only play ten minutes who care you know who cares yeah because um, you're not really yeah. affecting the game that much. <laughs> true. So. But yeah, he maybe doesn't start, but he plays a lot of minutes. He's a good shooter. Isaiah Brockington, yeah, he's he shoots a decent percentage from outside. But actually, his his deal is he is killer from mid range. I've man, that guy can, that guy is straight out of like 1996 with his mid range step. You know, his <laughs> like mid range shooting. Yeah, Barry, yeah, something <laughs> like that. You know, that dude just knocks down mid range shots like nobody's business to the point where you're genuine, genuinely surprised when one doesn't go in, and. Yeah, that's been a huge issue for the Iowa State all season, though, is a total lack of consistency hitting the three ball. Most games it's bad. Some games you you, can, you see them like the final line with like two for nineteen or two for sixteen or three for tw- you know three for twenty or whatever. Against Oklahoma, they shot like I want to see if I want to pull it up. They shot uh, a pretty good percentage actually. Let's see here. Against Oklahoma, they shot eight of seventeen, so forty seven percent that game. Still lost. <laughs> but uh because the because the uh last half of the second half was a disaster but you know when you when you don't have much outside shooting you have a propensity to get into long scoring droughts because you you know offenses stop moving oh, we, we know the feeling oh my yeah. god not I as much this season but i was yeah. we were spoiled for a decade where we didn't have to know what yeah. the field we, we didn't know what scoring droughts looked like now we look. We know what defensive droughts look, look like, where you just go back and forth a hundred times and you just figure out what happens. But like, you know, we you know didn't usually see a lot of scoring droughts. Um, but boy, howdy, have we seen a lot this season? Because <laughs> I mean, the the only way to describe the Iowa State offense at this point in time is bad. They're not. Is good. that a function of Otzelberger's offense or the players? Yeah. Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, it, it's hard to say what Otzelberger's offense is. Because he's been he's limited by this roster, and there isn't really. I mean, Caleb Grill is probably the closest thing you got to a pure shooter, but he's really not necessarily a pure shooter. He can shoot, but he's not a pure shooter. Not like a Matt Thomas was or something like that, where it's just like he just just goes on. He's just automatic. You, I, there there isn't one like that in this roster. I mean, Isaiah Brockington is probably the second best shooter on this roster, and he's not really a he's a he's a mid range jump shooter. He's not really an outside shooter. That's not you know that's not a huge chunk of his game. It's a, it's. He'll take a couple of game, but it's not it's not a huge part of his game. So it's partly a function of that, partly a function of you know I'm, I'm not entirely sure why, but the offense has kind of gotten a lot more stagnant in conference play. I know the defenses are a lot better, so that's that's a huge part of it. But you know, early in the season, it felt like there was better ball movement. Right now, you, what you're going to see on set, what you're going to see on uh, was it Saturday they play? Yeah, Saturday. Yeah. When they play, when you see him on Saturday, you're going to see like one of like you're going to see two offensive plays. That you're going to see more than anything else. It's going to be one of them is going to be Isaiah Brockington creating a shot for himself. The other one is going to be they're going to throw it to a big. That'll be either either Robert Jones or George Conant will go up to the free throw line. They'll throw it into him to the high post, and then they'll run this crazy wheel play where they'll just set screens and they'll just run around and just do dribble handoffs all day and night. That's all they do, and then they just figure out what happens from there. You're going to see that play probably I don't know a dozen times on Saturday at least, and I yeah. don't understand it. They do it. I don't really get it. But whatever. I'm not a major college basketball coach. 
I don't like it, but there's a reason he's on the bench and I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, that's, I'm looking at, it's see. frustrating, but I think it's more so a product of the roster than yeah. anything. I mean, I'm looking at these numbers, and JT, I know during the Bruce Weber era, we have seen some big gaps for K-State between like their Kimpom ratings for offense and defense, but I don't know that I've ever seen one as large as Iowa State's going from 6th on defense to 137th on offense. Wow. <laughs> the offense is, uh, I mean, there's at times where it looks decent, and there's times where it just looks horrible. That sounds like a Bruce Weber team. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult, but that it sounds like a, a lot like a Bruce Weber team. Yeah. I don't and love then, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing that stands out to me about this Iowa State lineup, especially after K-State's coming off a game against TCU, you know, one of the bigger teams in the conference, and K-State obviously not very big themselves, but now look at Iowa State's lineup. It, it's pretty small, you know, and that, that tallest guy. They do play a lot of small ball. Yeah. It's 6'9". I mean, I, I think that'll help K-State defensively for sure, but, you know, I wonder – and, you know, Carlton Lingard and Davian Bradford are not exactly explosive offensive players, but they are seven foot. You know, how do you think Iowa State will handle guarding those guys? And they've generally done pretty fine with big guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, Condit's Condit and, and Bob Jones are both pretty good. Uh, they're pretty, they're decent defenders for their size. They can, you know, there's only an inch there. I mean, like an inch or two. I mean, it's not a huge, mm-hmm. it's not some massive height difference or anything like that. And they're both they're both good enough underneath i'm not like i'm not worried about like case they just chucking it inside to to those two guys and pound them on you know pound them on the yeah, boards no, all it's not gonna I'm be not, a i'm not, I'm not super worried about that game plan <laughs> yeah yeah well and then you know the other thing is that this game is in Ames. so uh you know how much is, is magic back they, they've had a couple of nice wins they beat a, a short-handed tech team and they beat texas but you know also they are very close Play Baylor close. Yeah, the key game now is up, but then that, you had that weird TCU loss by 15. So, I mean, yeah. how much is Hilton Magic back this year? Uh, it's been much better, I will say, because, like, the last couple of years it's been largely dead. But it's been much better this year. I mean, and it was it was obvious. Like, once, once this team started showing how good of a defensive team they are, I think it was fairly obvious how quickly Hilton Magic was going to come back. Because, I mean, crowds – especially i mean crowds in general play they feed off of good defense really well generally speaking you know offense helps obviously and the offense stirs a lot of the drink but a good defensive team is going to keep the crowd in it more than you know if if it's a team that doesn't really play defense and has good offensive spurts but then sometimes dies out that kind of team is is not going to be able to get the, the crowd as much engaged as when you have a good defensive team and they get big stands and they and they force turnovers and stuff like that and they play as hard as Iowa State does that's a team that's made to get good crowd support. And that's been true this whole season is that, that the crowd has been getting back to where, it, where, you know, people think of as when they think of Hilton magic, where it's, you know, in Hilton Coliseum, where they think of it as, as a really, really intimidating environment, a really difficult environment to go into. And it's definitely, it's, it's, uh, it's getting back there. And there's been a couple of games this season where it's been vintage Hilton magic. Yeah. It was interesting. I was looking at the home records today, actually, just across the Big 12. And, you know, last year, of course, with no fans, it was home teams were barely above 500. And this year, you know, they're back to doing better, but they're still definitely not at like pre-COVID levels of winning. I mean, the, the difference in winning percentage is like is about 640 in the two seasons prior to COVID. And now it's about 580. So, yeah, 
I wonder if there's probably a larger so- not coming all the way pro- back. Or- there's probably a, sar- a larger social commentary to go along with that, with just a general lack of enthusiasm for things, right? right. And just in just general f- fatigue of the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's probably a larger social commentary to go along with that. Yeah, we um, could do a whole podcast on that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, I mean, like Hilton Coliseum has been full for most of these games, yeah. so it's not like I don't think it's a matter of like fans not coming back so much. Like, I, I guess I haven't okay. seen what attendance numbers look like, but I would assume. Mm-hmm. Fan attendance is largely back to where it was, or we're getting very close to it. But mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say exactly why. Part of it too is that I think we've seen. I think I think talent has started to equalize a little bit in college basketball as far as it's spreading out a little bit better. It's not like it's not like like that Duke team where you had R.J. Barrett and and, and uh, whatever the other two guys, Cam Reddish and whatever the other one was when you had all those guys on one team and you had these super teams, I mean, like Gonzaga is really good, obviously, but like you don't really see the big super teams full of, you know, crazy high recruits and stuff like that on one team. Like you used to, I think the talent is starting to disperse a little bit more, which means that you have more, even you have more, you have a lot more even rosters and you don't have these huge talent disparities, especially, I mean, if you look at like the big 12, I mean, there are like, I mean, Baylor and Kansas are obviously very, very, very talented, but you know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that like the top of like the, I think all of the big 12 was in the top, like 25 in defensive efficiency. Right. I mean, the team except for Kansas, right? I don't think Kansas was ever. Okay, Kansas was but... the worst team. It was the worst defensive yeah. team in the big 12. And they were like 32 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't, they weren't a bad, they were a good defensive team. They're just the worst one in the conference because this right, conference is, right. is yeah. silly. Yeah. Um, you just know this is a K-State podcast. We have to point out oh, Kansas. Is yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta knock them down here and there. <laughs> Uh, I, was, I was just looking. I was just trying to find an adjusted rate. So it looks like Kansas State's down to 39th now. But I th- so I think they might be lowest now. Yeah. But I mean, okay. even if even if Kansas State is the lowest at 39th, I mean that's t- if yeah. the worst team in the conference is 39th on defense. Oh yeah, Kansas is up to 30th now, or whatever. <laughs> okay. Like that's like that's a pretty yeah that a pretty Baylor game helped them out a lot. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And then yeah, Oklahoma's sitting there at 36. You got. West Virginia up there at 33. You have a bunch of them hanging out there in the 20s and 30s. But then you got Texas Tech and Iowa State um, and Texas sitting up there in the top 10. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. This, this conference is a buzz. This conference is a buzzsaw. I mean, it's, it's, it is. It's, 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 I don't, I, I don't know what, like, how you compare this year to like other years. But I mean, the, this version of the Big 12 is one of the best college basketball conferences that there's been in uh, decades. Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe 30 years since like the old big east like in the 80s maybe like i mean <laughs> it's been the big it's been the best conference in college basketball in in, in recent memory and yeah. it's proving to be that way where the conference is starting to cannibalize itself i mean what baylor's like four and three in their last seven and they're like <laughs> they're clearly one of the top you know three teams in college basketball but you know they've you know the last last few or four mm-hmm. and three in the last seven because this mm-hmm. conference is ridiculous yeah but and you know it's that gonna get, being it's said, even better because you know who's number four in Ken Palm right now? Houston, who's getting yeah, ready to join the conference. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like in Cincinnati, historically is a good program. BYU is a good is good this year too. You know, are they? I, I don't, actually, I don't know. Yeah, they're forty six. Well, they, they, they lost they're some 40, dudes, and so they've been 40. terrible since they lost some dudes. But. Oh, did they? Okay, well they're they're forty sixth in Ken Palm right now, so that's not terrible. Right. They've lost four in a row, I think. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's not great, but um, <laughs> still, they're ranked higher than Oklahoma State right now. In case which State. is funny. Oklahoma State is 55th in the country, and they're 500. Like, that's how good this conference is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
That being said, I mean, you look at Iowa State's remaining schedule, but I say games and like it's relatively easy. It's got to be. It's easy compared to the first half. The first half has been a nightmare. Well, Um, I mean, you get you get K State twice, you get West Virginia twice, you get Oklahoma and Oklahoma State at home. You know, mm -hmm. you still have to go to TCU and and at Baylor will be tough. You got to feel pretty good about where you are right now, right? I mean, I think you're still seven or eight seed in most brackets. Yeah, Uh, I mean, all they got to do if they win like three or four more games, they're they're a lock to be in. Yeah, and they'll be fine. Yeah, and they get at West Virginia Wednesday, but I mean, with the way they've been playing lately, if you lose at West Virginia Wednesday, does a does a game against Kansas State at home start feeling a little bit like a must win, or is that too much? Mm, I mean, I don't know about a must win. I mean, it's definitely a definitely want to win, but it's hard to say about must win. I think I think if Iowa State gets a 19 wins, I think they're about a, I think they're a guarantee to get in. They, they're still sitting second in college basketball right now in Q1 wins. So I mean, they their their resume speaks for itself. Right, right. And this is a, certainly a year where where something we're gonna happen. But what's the? I feel like it's like we've seen. Have we seen seven eleven teams in the Big Twelve make the tournament maybe once or twice? I don't think yeah, but they've had like really teams. strong like non conference slates. Or went on yeah. a run in the tournament, like played I mean, in the championship game. So, like, yeah. I was trying to, I guess I don't know what Kansas State's resume looks like. Yeah, 12 and 10. Yeah, you got some it's work. It's not good. To it's you not got good. some work to do. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Baylor, uh, Baylor's tough. So, I think Kansas State's got to get to at least 8 and 10, probably 9 and 9 to make yeah, it. Yeah, so Man, you got to, you probably got to beat us twice. You got to beat West Virginia. You probably got to, you probably got to win four out of your next six and then see if you can take one against Texas Tech or Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be tricky. That'll be really tricky. Yeah. It'll be tricky. It, it's doable, but it's tricky. And right now, let's see, they're favored against West Virginia. I'm looking on Camp Palm. Favored against West Virginia, then favored against us at home, and then favored against mm-hmm. Oklahoma at home. Mm-hmm. No, it's amazing how much difference a week makes, a week and a week and a half or so, because after the, the loss to Baylor, there wasn't a game left on K-State's schedule they were favored to win. Right now, I think even like after the loss to TCU, there wasn't a the first loss back in mid January. There there wasn't a game K State was expected to win, and so now actually having some expectation of of winning is is different and nice. I think as of right now, if Iowa State does what Ken Palm says, which is basically win out at home, lose out on the road, so they'll finish mm-hmm. twenty and eleven. If they do that, I mean they're they're guaranteed yeah. in. I mean they're, they're yeah. probably like a, they're probably like yeah. a five or a six seed. Feel pretty good about that. No bad losses on the entire schedule. Bunch of good wins. Yeah. I mean, JT, honestly, at this point, I'm almost thinking the best case scenario is that Bruce Weber pulls a Jim Woldridge and goes uh, win, gets a win in Lawrence and still loses his job at the end of the season. Yeah, well, I'd say <laughs> if, if that's the case, you know, he can retire instead of getting yeah. fired. But uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Say so what's what's I, I just I said loses the job. line for Bruce Weber. Fire. Like, how long does Bruce Weber stick? Like, I mean, most fans will say tournament or bust. Uh, I don't know that that is Gene Taylor. It seems thinking. like he's just he's good enough that you can't fire him, but he's not good enough that you can't that he doesn't like you can't just praise him forever. And that I mean, that seems to be like even the what we yeah. got from Illinois fans when he was first hired. They're like, like, you're, like you're gonna like kinda, him, but he's not gonna win a lot of games. You're gonna like you're stuck in this and you're just stuck in this unending purgatory of Bruce Weber. That's it's what it seems like. We're just kind of stuck in this weird thing. Yeah, uh, it yeah, just it been, can't like it like you've had some really good seasons, obviously. But it's more a roller coaster. Yeah, the highs are really high, the lows are really low. Which I think yeah, is that's kind of different yeah, than it was. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. 
Uh, see, I think a lot, of, a lot of fans right. see what happened in Ames and we went from like winning the Big 12 tournament to 2-20 and 20 and he's gone. And we're like, well, why couldn't that have happened here? I mean, <laughs> Why couldn't you get he two won, bad seasons in a row? <laughs> like he won the Big 12 title in 2019, <laughs> well, sure. But then we get two, you know, yeah. terrible years. In history. <laughs> yeah. Why does he get another? <laughs> yeah. I think the pro- I think we I think the different I think Iowa State had lost a lot. We the fans had completely lost. What happened? What happened was is that I think Jamie Pollard recognized that he that Steve Frome had lost the fan base, and not only had he lost the fan base, but he had lost the locker room and all that. It was gone. I mean, he was just a floating. He was just a sitting duck. That you know, he's he's a lame duck for most of that season. And that's something and, that, like <laughs> Bruce Weber's never lost the locker room, at least not since. What was that? 2014, when he had to kick like four guys off the team. Yeah, Marcus Foster and everybody. That whole thing. Um, yeah. But since then, he hasn't lost the locker room. Like even last year, I he never lost the locker room, but they still lost a lot of games because they weren't very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we probably ought to, ought to wrap this up. Levi, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, do you want to make a prediction for Saturday's game? Oh God. Um. <laughs> My prediction will heavily depend on what they look like against West Virginia. Okay. Um, if the offense continues to be terrible, I'm not feeling good about it. I don't know. I'll, I'll just say Iowa State by three on Saturday. But okay. You think I'm the, gonna say the, the, I'm gonna say first team to sixty wins. All right. you know, as good as Iowa State is on defense, I mean, I know K State has looked better scoring, but. It's, it's going to be a pretty yeah. low-scoring game. So if, if one of these teams can get to 60, they're they're probably going to win. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, Levi, we appreciate you coming on. People can uh, follow you on Twitter, at LeviRSTEV, and a uh, very apt bio you got right now. I, I mostly ramble on podcasts. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm, trying, uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying, to be, uh, trying to give the most honest advertising I can. Yeah, yeah, and of course we always recommend people check out White Red Natty Light. Um, because any any stuff in particular you want to promote there right now? Uh, you pretty much got it. I've got a lot. I mean, I've got lots of other like side projects, but K State fans aren't gonna care, are going to care about exactly zero of them. So, uh, <laughs> worry about it. <laughs> I'm like I've got All a right. band and shit like that, but like you know, <laughs> probably not going to be playing shows in Manhattan anytime soon. So yeah, yeah, not worried okay. about it. Okay. All right. Sounds good, man. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you having me. Uh, Thanks, JT. So, yeah, I'm talking.